it's a line in every film. Yeah. Everything you think you know is wrong. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> that new Game of Thrones trailer has been all riled up. Yeah, Game of Thrones has the potential to make a comeback. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. Mark my words. And the content's just pouring in this year. And we're not, there's no signs of slowing. We're stuck in the Willy Wonkle, the Willy Wonkle. We're stuck in that, <laughs> we're stuck in that Willy Wonka tunnel from uh, the Chocolate Factory. It's the Coverflow. <laughs> it's the Coverflow. It's happening. That's a term I coined on this podcast. COVID field. Yeah, you said the exact same thing. <laughs> it's a good, in the Severance it's podcast. It's a good bit. In the Severance podcast, you said that. People are laughing right now. They're laughing with me. You think someone's <laughs> laughing at COVID field? Yeah. <laughs> Please, think about it. Found if footage. anyone's laughing right now, <laughs> I'm pitching it right now. It's a found game. footage. <laughs> it's a JJ. Listen, if you're listening, Bad Robot, check it out. It's a found footage film, but instead of a monster, it's COVID. It's COVID. <laughs> it was with us all along, and our hero has to like process his own insecurities. And Pro- I thought you were going to say <laughs> process his own vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> he wrestles with the vaccine. And then the politics thereby. <laughs> it's heavily political, our film. But we don't know where it's going. <laughs> anyway, we just finished Moon Knight. The very next day, went to see this film, mm-hmm. another Marvel ventured, now on the silver screen. And this is uh, not only the sequel to Doctor Strange. 2016. 2016, the original Scott Derrickson film. But it's a sequel to WandaVision. And a sequel to No Way Home, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, that just came out in December, and WandaVision came out last year. And what movie are we doing today, Gabe? It's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a.k.a. M-O-M, a.k.a. Mom. Came out Mother's Day weekend, and it's about a mom. It is. In turmoil. Spoilers, starting now. Well, yeah, but but so funny, because... Yeah, the acronym is MOM, and it's on Mother's Day weekend, and it's about a mom. Did I thought you, that that is, at least should be noted. Yeah. Did you, well, maybe it's not fair to ask you, because you're always up to date with spoilers being released, but I, was, I had no idea it was a Scarlet Witch film. I will say, going into this, I tried to remain as unspoiled as possible, mm-hmm. because I wanted to see if Marvel could live up to the hype. And there was a lot. There was a lot. But I also was trying to lower my expectations because I've been burned before and I didn't want to be burned again. And you know what? It did not live up to the hype in my opinion. You're burning. Yeah. However, I did enjoy it a lot um, for different reasons, but let's talk about it. We originally also should say we really wanted to get the NWO boys on this podcast today, but scheduling conflicts. Every man has their own life and family and stuff, you know. Yeah, it's hard to. It's like, oh, I got an anniversary, or my wife scheduled us to go to Disneyland, or whatever it is. <laughs> Joe's out of town somewhere. But I feel like they're with us in spirit. Yeah, and we'll, we'll probably have them back soon. Yes, as soon as possible. Here we are talking about <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Oh, it's also the sequel to the Avengers films, so it's got four sequels. Yeah, all of our characters are dealing with baggage from all of that. Yep. So if you have not seen any Marvel movies up to this point, you might be lacking a little bit of context, but I think you can still have a fun time. That's true. 
Also, a little bit of history, Scott Derrickson, the original director of the first Doctor Strange film, was supposed to direct this, and him and Marvel decided to not move forward with him directing this film for that, whatever reasons. We don't really know why. Had they Creative started, differences. Yeah, that's what they always say, but who knows. Had they started production when he left yet? I think a lot of pre-production had gone into play. I don't think they had started actual production and I do know that there are also a lot of reshoots on this film. Um, I I had I heard a rumor at some point that the, at like almost 40% of the final cut that we got was done in reshoots. I don't know how accurate that is. Obviously, it's a rumor, but mm. that's a lot. And so I heard a lot of it was re- rewritten and then reshot. And Elizabeth Olsen has been on record saying she wasn't really involved in the reshoots, meaning that the reshoots probably primarily were about the, you know, Dr. Strange story arc or Benedict Cumberbatch's story arc. Anyway, after Scott Derrickson left Marvel, Kevin Feige turned to none other than Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi, the King of campy, horror evil dead horror if you've never well if you've ever seen evil dead then you'll understand where this film is coming from if you've never seen evil dead (laughs) then you will be so confused it's a bit of a head scratcher yeah but he's also one of the founding fathers of the modern comic book movie yes Uh, having made uh you know your favorite film spider-man yeah three yeah and (laughs) no the spider-man trilogy the original toby Maguire spider-man trilogy the other thing about that is is Sam Raimi, up to the point of when he started making sort of bigger blockbusters, he was really known for the campy horror genre and was not known for the superhero film style that the Spider-Man films exhibited. So it's interesting to see him blend kind of the two in this movie. But okay, so the last sort of setup here about this film before we talk about it is that when Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness was first announced to the public, Feige had been on record calling this film Marvel's first horror film or MCU's first horror film. And that's where a lot of people think that Scott Derrickson and Marvel sort of parted ways is that maybe he wanted too much horror and Marvel said, this isn't really what we're looking for. Scott Derrickson also comes from a horror background. I think he did Sinister, which was a very uh, popular film. See, see, that I didn't even know. But them getting Sam Raimi was such a... I feel like it was an uh, answered prayer almost. Serendipitous. Yeah, because it's so bizarre, like mind-blowing, that Sam Raimi could pull off what he did. And I should also say that you know, the feedback surrounding this film has been like some people loved it. Some people hated it. And there hasn't really been much in the middle as far as response. I think a lot of people really get it or they, they don't really get it. And so for sure. And the people that get it, I feel like are coming from the same place that we are, which again, I really liked it. You really liked it. It boils down to being familiar with Sam Raimi. Yeah. His style. Yeah. Which is, like you said, it's campy, it's kind of quirky. Yeah, again, not the same Raimi that made the Spider-Man films. The same Raimi that made the Evil Dead trilogy. Yeah, Army of Darkness, Darkman. E- Evil Dead 2, Darkman, exactly. Um, where where a person loses his arm, and instead of 
dying or like blood loss, the person ties a chainsaw to that arm and then has a chainsaw arm. And yeah, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. There was a little bit of that in the Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, you, yeah. you mentioned to yeah. me when we saw it together, like even in the first 10 minutes yeah. where strange snaps after yeah. he puts on his suit. Or oh, his, yeah. yeah. I can't. I couldn't even believe that happened. Yeah. It's so it was funny. literally like a Spider-Man <laughs> 3 Tobey Maguire like snap <laughs> after he ties his tie or whatever. Uh huh. I couldn't believe that happened. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. It all ties together. Okay. So that's the setting. Scott Derrickson out. First horror film in the MCU, uh, Sam Raimi replacement, classic Sam Raimi horror genre. And again, this is a sequel to basically four movies or five movies if you count both Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. So, and this is a review episode, so we're not going to get much. (laughs) We're going to talk about the movie a little bit. 30 minutes in. We're not going to get too much into it. (laughs) No, no, we're not. (laughs) We're not going to do like a whole recount of the plot. We're just going to talk about the film. Yeah. Well, I loved it. (laughs) I absolutely adored it. Like you already said the stage, uh, for how I feel about it, but, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie because it is so weird. And because it is stylistically, in my opinion, the most un, even though it's clearly a Marvel film, because you're playing in that sandbox, it is the most unlike anything Marvel's done to this point. And we've had movies like that. Like for instance, Ragnarok kind of broke the mold, like for what Thor was doing and really revitalized that part of the franchise. And this was that for me. It mm. was it I'm a sucker for Sam Raimi. I usually don't go for campy, schlocky stuff that this movie was filled with in a lot of other kinds of movies. Yeah. But because Marvel um is often known for formula, this was was very welcome in my opinion. And yeah. it was executed well. Like yeah. Sam Raimi is no slouch as a director mm-hmm. and as a as a storyteller in general. Yeah. And so all the the, the cheesy one liners like Rachel McAdams saying, Go back to hell and then Go back to hell. Blowing up a demon. <sighs> yeah. That stuff that stuff played for me perfectly. Yeah. All the strange askew camera angles. You and I were though like giggling. Yeah. Like because we knew exactly where this was coming from. Uh-huh. Go and but it, but but it was unexpected. But yeah. to, we both remarked at the end of the film, we we could not believe yeah. how much free reign Sam Raimi had in the directing of this film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The way that I put that was, I can't believe Marvel let him do this. Like yeah. he went full Sam Raimi. Yeah, Sam, every Sam Raimi went full Sam Raimi. Every ten minutes, and this is like a two-hour, ten, twenty-minute film. Yeah. Every few minutes, there's a Sam Raimi thing happening. Yeah. Like Scarlet Witch is crawling out of a. <laughs> Out of a out of a gong, uh, and she's like contorted. To, it it looks like it was, it felt like it was malignant all over again. Where they're just like, yeah. this body is just like twisting and turning. There's like zombie strange is in this movie. Uh, the body horror that we know from like Evil Dead stuff. It yeah. feels very reminiscent of that. Yeah, there's a lot to say about zombie strange. But one of the things about Sam Raimi too that we should mention before we keep going is that even back when Sam Raimi first did Spider-Man, people would ask him, like, if you could ever direct a different superhero, what what movie would you want to direct? He would answer Doctor Strange, like, back in, like, 2002. So this is 20 years ago. And even now when he's being interviewed, people are like, how was it directing this Doctor Strange film? He, he, he says, he's been on record saying, I can't believe I got to direct a Doctor Strange film because 
I'd always like loved the character and wanted to, but he never, you know, he never thought Dr. Strange would be a popular enough character in the, the social consciousness or the public eye to, to have a Dr. Strange movie be made. So he never thought he'd be the one directing it. He never thought a Dr. Strange movie would be even made. So this was like a, a actual dream come true for him. Yeah. And I think that should also be noted because I think there was a lot of TLC or tender loving care that, <laughs> that went into making this film for him. Yeah. I think it's evident that he cares about the character. Yeah. And he, he, I guarantee you, he knows the comics and has read the comics because he read them growing up. He used to have Spider-Man and he, I think he's, he, he described it as a mural. He used to be Spider-Man and a couple other characters painted on his wall in his childhood room growing up. And I think Dr. Strange may have been part of that or not, but he loves the character of Dr. Strange. He used to read the comics. Like we're talking like in the, you know, back like in the seventies ish, probably sixties, seventies when Dr. Strange was like really weird and Mm -hmm. you know, all the drawings and stuff. And so all the stuff that's weird about this film and, and the stuff that he's pulling from is probably from actual quantifiable comic book source material and I also want that to be noted because a lot of people I think are saying, well, it's cheesier. It's like, you know, can't be, but I think, you know, he's pulling from actual roots that, yeah, that are from comic book history. So I also want that to be noted before we continue to talk about it. Yeah. Even in the first 30 minutes, I think you can pick that up because the first film, uh, which is great. The Dr. Strange one in 2016, uh, it didn't take a lot of risks. You had a lot of cool stuff, like the fractaling architecture and the mirror dimension and stuff like that. Yeah. But up to this point, Doctor Strange has mostly been about his orange uh, spell casting. His orange whips. Yeah, he's got whips and he's got other stuff you can make out of the orange spells. There was some cool stuff. But in, in the first 30 minutes of this film, he was conjuring monsters to, yeah. to fight against that you know, first encounter with like Shuma Gorath. He's like, he's, he's summoning what looked like creatures from Ghostbusters to like interact with the world. And it was really uh, bizarre and fun. Yeah. You said there was like a headless monster and then like he had those like monster hands. Yeah. The first thing he does when he floats down, Shuma Gorath is like twisting up a bus and like he throws it at Strange, I think. <laughs> and, and the first spell, I think it was the first spell Strange casts, it summons this thing that made me think of Mike Wazowski. Yeah. from Monsters, Inc., and it just goes and chomps the bus, and that's how we take care of the bus as it's flying through the air. And when you say Shumagorath... Yeah, Shumagorath, I, I pretty sh- I'm not like entirely sure that's who it was supposed to be, but that's the tentacled monster that was pursuing America Chavez in our dimension, Yeah, where Strange has to leave his uh, Christine's wedding. It looked um, like Starro with more tentacles. No, you're right. I mean, I think one of the best things about Doctor Strange has been seeing the the magic advance and the things that he could do with his magic. Yeah. You saw that take a step a little bit further in Infinity War when he's having that battle with Thanos and mm-hmm. yeah. You know, he he does all this stuff. He turns, he turns something to butterflies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so I think this was like the next evolution of that this movie and seeing that in you know like the music battle for example was like yes. a prime example like all of a sudden you have music notes flying through the air on sheet music and you're like what the hell is this? And I asked my friend who can read music, who also is very well acquainted with Marvel. He used to actually work for Marvel. I asked him like if the music notes that they're throwing at each other 
was the actual music that was playing during that time. And he said, yeah, from what he could tell, he said Beethoven's fifth was the sheet music for, for our Doctor Strange. And then for the evil Strange, it was Toccata and Fugue in D minor. Wow. Which is so cool. <laughs> it's sourced. It's real. Yeah. Music is real. Yeah. No, no, but like that, you never thought, I never thought going in to see this movie, I would see yeah. like, like a physical representation of me, like a music battle. Yeah. It was in a movie full of outlandish, wacky uh things happening that was one of the more crazy things the, as a, the strangest as a spectacle like yeah. as a fight yeah literally using notes in the air yeah and especially it was great how it ended how that that last note came out mm-hmm. and impacted the vortex in the middle of the room and then it blew up mm-hmm. so cool it works yeah. in my opinion i don't know and we should talk about danny elfman a little bit yeah he was the one that scored this from the get-go from the, from the start of this film yep I turned to you and I was like, I think this is Danny Elfman. And I, and I Googled it in the theater really quick, which may be why I missed that Mike Wazowski creature. But, <laughs> but yeah, I Googled it and it was Danny Elfman. And I was shocked because Danny Elfman left Spider-Man 2 uh, toward the end of the production. And the score had to be f- completed by the person who ended up scoring Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. And I thought that maybe... Danny Elfman and Sam Raimi left kind of their relationship on a bad note, but to see them working again is really cool in of itself. This score though, for this film, I have to say, I love Danny Elfman, but I think some of the cheesiest parts of this movie were because of the score. (laughs) I think it was, it was mutually collectively felt by the audience, by the theater when something happened and it had like, like a really cheesy kind of music note or like a, a cue play out. And you're just kind of like, wait, what just happened? Was that a music battle or like the electric guitar? One of the things was the, yeah, the eighties kind of retro distortion, distortive electric wow, guitar. Wow, 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 wow. It's, it happened again right at the end where it's like, and then, and then, and then, yeah. And then his third eye pops open right at yeah. the end of the film. And you're like, wow, that was so lame, but it was so cool at the same time. Yeah. And that's basically what this movie is. It's like yeah. so it could be interpreted as so like stupid or lame or cheesy, mm-hmm. but it's also so cool because you don't get stuff like this much in the, anymore in the theaters. And I think that's kind of the brilliance behind what's transpiring in this film uh-huh. is like you get the cheesy that like it's so campy that it's good. Another thing that like I, I recognized immediately is like a lot of the cheesier moments, they happen so quickly mm-hmm. that you barely have time to think about what just happened before it moves on with the plot <laughs> or to the next scene. And I think that's also a brilliant move as far as the editing goes, because you don't really get to think and like sit and, and really contemplate what the hell just happened. You kind of just have to swallow that pill and move forward, you know? Yeah, that's a pretty important point. Yeah, I was going to bring up as well in terms of pacing because Sam Raimi is on record. I was reading he was talking about his vision for this final cut. He wanted it to, the whole thing to be fast paced and he wanted the whole thing to feel like a chase sequence. Like mm-hmm. he wanted to be people on the run the entire time, which kind of I think uh, happened. Well, it did happen. Certainly it happened. <laughs> but there was a bit of a conflict of interest, I think, with what Michael Waldron was doing with the script, who oh. uh, is the main billing for. Yeah. The writer. As the writer, yeah. 
he wanted to have something a little bit longer that would do a little bit more of character exploration. And like you said, uh, this film was very fast and a lot of those beats are um, quick. And even when there are slower moments, it a lot of the criticism levied toward this movie is in the writing and the story points where it either feels underbaked or it kind of, it picks up and then it starts to drag a little bit. And there are moments like, for instance, the America Chavez, like finally seizing her powers. Uh, it feels like for a lot of people, I think it felt a little undercooked, I yeah. think is, is the word I like to use. Or out of nowhere. But I think, I think in my opinion, that, that was a, a point that was fine. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think the, the, I, I, thought I, was, I thought it was cooked well. Yeah. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the film a second time and I was trying to pay attention to some of the finer points of the, the narrative watching it again. And I think, I think it was, it felt earned to me. Yeah, yeah. Some of the writing is a little strange, like Benedict Wong as Wong, uh, immediately giving up the, the dark hold to Wanda, which is the book that's corrupting Wanda. Mm-hmm. And, um, in order to move the, the plot forward, she, coerces Wong into giving her more information about the dark hole by necromantically torturing some of some of his sorcerer buddies. Oh, right. Including the Minotaur. Oh, the, the one, green Minotaur. The ones that were left. Yeah. And um he just he gives it up. Yeah. And you think as the sorcerer Supreme. Supreme, he would have a little bit more as Strange says, in the grand calculus of the universe, your sacrifice means infinitely more, blah, 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 blah. So there, there are moments like that in the film that, uh, as far as the writing goes, they're a bit of a head scratcher. Like we just kind of have to get from A to B, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. And for me, the reason I'm not so critical of that is because, like I said, stylistically, it did so much to build up goodwill for me that I didn't care. <laughs> I was just having so much fun watching the film. And I wanted to mention on that note some of the more horror sequences in this film, because like you said, it was marketed to be like, MCU's first horror film. We say that in quotes because it is an MCU film at the end of the day. A Disney MCU film. And it'll no it'll never lean too far into a genre to like really be considered a horror film. But there were some pretty horrific elements. There were some very scary things that happened in this film and I would not recommend you taking your child to see this movie if they're like, you know, young, squeamish. Uh like like I mentioned before, some of the body horror stuff with both Strange and Wanda that they yeah. did. But even in like uh, the way they shot some sequences, like Wanda chasing them through the the tunnels in yeah. in uh, the A three eight universe, it was it was very scary, and I love that stuff. Or when uh, Wa- when Scarlet Witch takes control of the alternate Wanda, that sequence was amazing and starts murdering people. Yeah, it's crazy. But no, like you're you're totally right. Yeah, she starts murdering people, and then it's brutal. It's it is brutal, and then there's that part, the dream sequence where she pops out of the cloud and. There's just so many parts of this film that had horror elements. The zombie strange was another part where like the demons possess him and he's talking with like a lower, like grunt, like growl. Cause he, yeah. you know, his vocal cords have disintegrated a little <laughs> bit because he's been dead and, you know, and he's this, this total disgusting zombie version of, of Dr. Strange is freaking rad. It's so metal when he literally summons and then harnesses the power of the souls of the damned <laughs> uses it as a cape to fly across the chasm to get to Wondercore to fight wanda it's so metal yeah. it's it's i was like <laughs> yes when else has like marvel done something that's like they've done stuff that's like dark before but yeah. this was just like it was crazy man it was crazy i think that <laughs> i think that's a great point is that it, this movie is kind of crazy and it's all over the place but it 
it really is held together. I think because I, I think one of the criticisms is that tonally this this film shifts too frequently, like it like it doesn't know what it wants to be. But I I kind of disagree with that. I, I think it does know what it is and what it wants to be, and it and actually executes that well. And I think what that is is like campy horror with a Disney Marvel film. Yeah. I think people just weren't ready for it. While being, though, while it just being a comic book movie. And I think, although that's a lot of stuff, yeah. that's what this movie is. And I think that's that's like the large horse pill that you have to swallow. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be just pulling it apart forever. Going, I hate this film because it is all, it's too many things in one film. Yeah. And I, if you criticize it that, like that minutely, I think you'll, you'll be always left disappointed. You know what I mean? Do yeah, you, do you agree I, I I totally agree. I well, like I said, I saw it a second time and I enjoyed it more on the second watch because I'm not I I'm starting to like loosen not just my expectations for what Marvel <laughs> is because we've gotten over a decade of these films at this point. Yeah, but it really is if you can just kind of <laughs> loosen your mind a little bit, try not to worry and overthink it. <laughs> we've talked at length about this kind of approach to blockbusters before. But that's, I think that's really what you have to do yeah, to yeah. enjoy this movie. No, I totally agree. I mean, one of the first things I said to somebody, because I was talking about it with them, was you just have to realize going into anything Marvel, you can't criticize it the same way you would criticize like an auteur film. So although these kind of are auteur films, because there are a lot of times these Marvel films are written by like creatives, like like writer, director types, but they're still Marvel Disney at the end of the day. They have to hit a, 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 you know, wide demographic and, you know, it's really difficult to criticize that, you know, thinking, Oh, it's going to be something when it, it's probably not going to live up to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about Wanda. Yes. Like, Let's cause, talk cause, about Wanda. Cause you said earlier, you didn't expect this to be a Wanda film. Yeah, I had only seen the trailers. I didn't expect that either because I I wasn't spoiled in the sense of me thinking. I I had no idea, just so you know. I didn't even know she was going to be the villain of the film. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I did not expect that. (laughs) I mean, they tease like Mordo in the trailer, but it always felt like there was going to be some looming, potentially demonic threat. Yeah. People love to throw around Mephisto's name. Yes. But yeah, to have, and that was another point of criticism I've seen is that a lot of people felt post WandaVision, which is almost essential viewing for Wanda's character arc coming into this film. Yeah. That it felt like it had kind of regressed or it had like retconned a lot of the progress she had made. Mm-hmm. But I think seeing where that film ends and seeing how she kind of the gives show. herself to the Scarlet Witch, yeah, Wanda, yeah. WandaVision. Yeah. And then the final thing we see from WandaVision is her diving into the dark hole just head over heels yeah and it feels natural to me as the culmination of her traumatic her very traumatic journey over several films and wandavision to this place where she is just completely broken and even and the children that were never real but that she had wanted more than anything mm-hmm. especially after losing vision this felt like a natural place for her to be mm-hmm. and elizabeth olsen absolutely killed it in my opinion i think she was uh phenomenal i think she stole every scene that she was in in this film, even the more cheesy campy bits, uh, I I was spellbound, no pun intended, by her performance. I think she's great. She's she is great, and a lot of people have been praising her, like even over Benedict Cumberbatch's performance, yeah. Elizabeth Olsen's performance, that it was outstanding. And 
I I also think her performance was outstanding. I think you were saying that she steals every scene that she's in. Yeah, absolutely. Even with Benedict, who is everyone agrees is like one of the preeminent, you know, performers of our time. I mean, go watch Power of the Dog. And even though his journey in this film isn't or Sherlock. At, as strong as Wanda's, he still has a character arc. And right. I was I was saying that yesterday too. Yes. Is that yeah. uh, watching it again, once again, I'm <laughs> I think this film requires a second viewing to really get the full No, yeah. You know, context and texture for for Doctor Strange's journey because yeah. there's so much happening in this movie, it can easily get lost. Yeah, I'm fully tracking with you because one of the one of the things I said even before we watched this movie, I think I said this to you. Yeah. One of the biggest criticisms I will have is if Doctor Strange doesn't have an emotional arc or, uh-huh. or a character arc in this film, yeah. I'll be so disappointed <laughs> because I love I love the character of Doctor Strange. I love what the MCU has done with him so far, uh-huh. and if he somehow gets muddled or lost, but he has so much of an arc in this film that mm-hmm. when I left the movie, I was so shocked, like I was surprised almost at how much of an arc he had. Yeah, and it it works perfectly as the bookend, like the second half of his journey from the first film. Yeah. Not even including all the stuff that's happened since then with the Avengers stuff. Yeah. Uh, But I think Mike Waldron and Sam Raimi, in their different ways, they did a great job kind of closing the loop on what has been Stephen Strange's version thus far and letting go both of his own, like, Uh, fears and insecurities Uh, he talks about in the film his struggle with like love and being loved and what Christine means to him Mm -hmm. and the questions like are you happy and processing that all the way through up to the end of the film and then the watch symbolized that pretty well when he's finally repairing the watch face or the the cover on the watch at Mm -hmm. the very end that broke in the car crash in the first film. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it felt like a natural end to that. And I'm excited to see where they go as a new chapter starting now moving forward. Okay. Question about the watch. Yeah. As a metaphor. Do you think he repaired it because he emotionally was in a healthier place? Or do you think he repaired it because he knew that there was another Christine out there that he could potentially be <laughs> with? That's a great question because it's absolutely a... Because <laughs> the whole point of B of the of the fight to find another Christine is what he has to overcome oh. in the film. Yeah, but what's crazy is that by like the only way that he got there was by seeing that there was another Christine out there that he could potentially be with. Yeah, that and the fact that he saw what he became in some of these alternate versions of himself when he was consumed by, by that, that possibility. Yeah. yeah, and we saw that too in the What If episode. Exactly. Yeah, if you've seen the what if episode with Dr. Strange multiverse of madness fascinating, not including the Scarlet witch stuff really just felt like a two hour version of that episode mm-hmm. because it's just an exploration of him letting go of Christine and what Christine means to him in yeah. terms of that emotional attachment. Damn. And being secure in who he is and moving forward. Like I said, past his own fears and insecurities, which he's clearly been grappling with. That's true film analysis right there. It's awesome that you got there. Well, it felt it, Personal. I, no, no, no. I mean, it wasn't unclear. I wouldn't say it's clear because a lot of people because Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange also seems like the kind of like narcissist, sociopathic kind of individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't actually ever get over his trauma, and that would do things based off of, and maybe that was predicated by the third eye that pops up at the very end of the film. Yeah, and I would say to that that those those. Uh, character flaws if you want to call them flaws but those narcissistic tendencies 
it feels looking back, having just watched Doctor Strange one again, that all that was like a it was like a defense mechanism that he was using that because he was scared. And there was a great line in this film. It's kind of a throwaway to some Doctor Strange lore where he meets Sinister Strange towards the end and he asks him like proof that it's another strange. And our strange says he drops the line about his sister Donna dying when they were kids. And that really that single line and oh, right. and Sinister Strange's response to it saying we don't talk about that. It really gave a really interesting Bruno. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it gave really interesting depth to the rest of Strange's story and how he is so closed off emotionally from the yeah. entire world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of those parts of him that we've come to know and love are are it's a defense mechanism, and he's afraid, yeah. honestly. So do you think that the the Earth 616, which is now canonically 616, do you think this version of Strange, our version of Strange that we've come to know, is actually truly like on the path toward being a more righteous Strange? I don't know about the word righteous, but he. I think he's certainly on the path towards, or has, has oh, been or like more, more like whole. a more wholesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 More whole, he's... he's trending if you want to use that word in the right direction he's trending upward he's trending upward he's becoming more elon, a, elon musk just bought strange yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's trending up he's gonna fix he's gonna he's, he's gonna put trump <laughs> back on strange it's no. gonna be awesome he's becoming a more holistic that's the word yeah. and healthy individual which is huge right for him because all of our heroes most of our heroes he reminds me a lot of tony stark in this way where it's like he is and that was a comparison that they made very early on when yeah. they first met in infinity war that they were clearly like, you know, very you know, similar, very similar. Yeah. And, and Feige has been on record saying he's basically the new Tony Stark in the MCU. You know, they're relying on him heavily. Yeah. Well, yeah. In so many ways <laughs> because of the next phase being about the multiverse. And that's something we haven't even really touched on in this cast. Oh is, yeah. This is a multiverse. It's film. a multiverse <laughs> film. And I think as far as that goes, I loved how that was executed. It takes like, I think until like the second act <laughs> when we see America Chavez, who's again, the mostly a plot device for opening up the multiverse, but she has her own character arc as well. Yep. She hurdles through like 10 to 15 different realities with strange at one point. And some of that stuff we saw in there was very cool. Were we painting one of them? We were painting one. We were 2d animation in one. It, that it, was sick. it actually reminded me of both everything, everywhere, all at once. And, uh, right. Like it had the Evangelion kind of like mm. uh, breaking of the fourth wall, which we also did when Scarlet Witch possesses Wanda for the first time. She looks right at the camera, and it it chilled my soul. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that it, was such a brilliant. It's so good directorial move by Sam Raimi. To be honest, yeah. like <laughs> it's so bold. It's no, it's so awesome that they did that. Yeah, the fourth wall break really quick. That was like the scariest part. Of the movie for me. It's like she's going to come get you. <laughs> she's coming through she's the coming, screen. She's going to get you, Gabe. You're like, it's, I wish she would get me. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about... Uh, yeah, I love the multiverse stuff, though. Yeah, it was it was good. I, I, I'm a little bit... I think a lot of people right now, at this point, are really confused about what Marvel's going to be doing with the multiverse going forward. Yeah. I know Loki Season 2 is uh, going to start production in about a month. They're yeah. going to start filming in June. Do you think that'll come out before Quantumania? Probably not, right? When is Quantumania? Because I feel like that'll be very important because of what we've seen. I think it got moved around with with Marvels. And I can't remember Which I think moved it forward. Before or after now. Yeah, I don't remember. So it's either coming out in March yeah. or it's coming out later in next year. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I I I have no idea. But anyway, yeah, the multiverse, I don't know where it's going. But nobody does. That's a nice segue though to talk about we should talk about some of the the comic booky aspects and where Marvel might be going next. Yeah. My first question to you about just the Doctor Strange films, do you think they will because of the success or at least, you know, the 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 fan love and also hate, but mostly love, I hope, for this movie going forward. Do you think Sam Raimi will be the it boy that they want to return for a third strange film like Taika Waititi was for Ragnarok and Love and Thunder? That's a good question. I don't think so, to be honest. Um, hmm. And I don't really have a reason. <laughs> I don't really have. Uh, I mean, it's... That's it's, kind of a bummer. I don't know. It's possible. I have, I have no... I would love to see a Sam Raimi story from the ground up, like, like from something, yeah, something that he comes in and he's part of, you know, the, the character and the story from pre-production, like an auteur kind of film, but for Dr. Strange, oh, Sam Raimi has been on record saying, uh, this was the easiest movie he's ever made because really? yeah, because all the groundwork was already laid out and Scott he, Derrickson's he, work. he barely had to do anything. <laughs> yeah. No, he's yeah. like, he's no, the character is, we're already set in oh, stone. Yeah, like yeah. they already have been established. He's Scripts like, written. it was so easy for him to just come in and be like, Oh yeah, I could do this. Yeah. So I would love to see what he could do if he could build it from the ground up. I'd say another part of that is like with the increasing number of crossovers and uh, interconnectedness of the franchise, mm-hmm. it is only becoming more so interconnected all the time. I don't know. Like I'm sure strange will get another solo film, even though they're not really solo films at this point. We set the stage in the post-credits scene for a strange adventure, which I feel like is totally up with Clea. So yeah, with Clea, Charlie's Theron, who in the comics is like up. the spawn of Dormammu or something, and she rips open She's the dark like the dimension. Niece of Dormammu or something? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. related. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Dormammu's brother's daughter. Dormammu is still out there, by the way. Yeah, he's chilling. But she rips, my name is Dormammu. <laughs> she, my, the mom. my name is Dormammu. She rips open the dark dimension, and it felt like a lead into a solo film. But I, I don't feel like I feel like we're going to have at least two more uh, strange. Well, you never know. Like, like for example, Iron Man one and two basically came out back to back before we got like even an Avengers film. I think that's a singular example, though, because okay, well, Guardians one and two came out basically in phase two and phase three. So yeah, there's typically one per phase. Yeah. 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 But, but not always. So, but I think we could get another one sooner rather than later, especially after the success of this. It really, I think it depends on the story that they want to tell, you know? Yeah. I will say, and how integral Dr. Strange is to whatever's happening in the multiverse, which clear shows up and she's like, there's been an incursion. We need to fix it. And he, he just pops his third eye and he's like, let's do it. He's like, you look, you look attractive. Let's go. <laughs> they are lovers in the comics. Right? I heard, I heard that. Yeah. Lovers. <laughs> lovers in a dangerous space time. <laughs> yeah. So then there are a couple cameos. Oh my God. In this movie. Sensational. People were expecting a lot of cameos. Yeah. I was expecting a lot of cameos. There was a huge rumor about Tom Cruise as Tony Stark in this film because Tom Cruise before Iron Man was cast with Robert Downey Jr., Tom Cruise was one of the names that they were throwing around. And that would have been like a like a crazy throwback. And then there was another big rumor that um, uh, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool would show up. 
And, and apparently that was actually in the works and then just fell through. But who did show up was bum, bum, bum. a team of people, including Chiwetel Ejiofor. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah. I looked it up. <laughs> uh, it's not Chiwetel. Chu. Chiwetel. Chiwetel. Uh, Chiwetel as Mordo, who, okay, or after Doctor Strange 1 ended, I was like most excited to see what would happen with Mordo because Mordo's like his his sworn enemy, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. He's like the, the, the one that betrays Doctor Strange. He's like the Lex Luthor to Superman. Oh. To, he's like the, yeah. I didn't know it was that To Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's, it's, and so I was, I was hoping for a lot more. I'm so curious what they're going to do. I hope they do something really major with him going forward. They better do something. Yeah. Because he is great. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And hasn't been used at all since then. I think he needs to be like the the full-on villain for a third Strange. But anyway. And then we got freaking the beautiful Mm -hmm. Haley Atwell as Captain Carter. Mm -hmm. Holy, give me that show. Peggy. Give me that show, Marvel. I want that show. I want to see her as Captain She could do it all day. Carter, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe how pretty she was. I was taken aback and for a moment I was like, "What? Did she get more attractive in the yeah. time that we saw like we didn't see her?" It's wild. You were reeling. I want I want I want Captain Carter for days. I if I was like if I was like 13 seeing this movie, I would go out and buy a Captain Carter poster and put it up in my room. Do you he, want 6 seasons in a movie, Captain easy. Carter? No, I want 10,000 years on one tight season, one tight season. Yeah. Okay. Like a, like a limited series on Disney plus of Captain Carter, but man, she, (sighs) yeah, she's great. She gets sliced in half. She killed it and she got killed. She got killed. Yeah. She got bisected. And then we had (laughs) returning from his role of like being in like four to five X-Men films, Patrick Stewart, the one and only coming back as professor X from the mutant world. Yeah, we own that, by the way. From the X-Men. Wait, we own what? Disney owns X-Men. Let's go. I know I it's know, old news, know, but we does. haven't seen it yet. I know. And so here it is. It's the, in this is the King. first time, apart from Scarlet Witch being a mutant, that we're seeing a mutant. In Technicolor. And, okay, he shows up. He rolls out on his, on his yellow wheelchair, which is the throwback to the 90s X-Men yep. series, the Chris Claremont mm-hmm. era. And what do you hear but Danny Elfman taking... The the score, the music notes from the nineties animated series that they're about to bring back Iconic. on Disney Plus. It was so when that when that cue hit, I, my mind exploded. <laughs> and I like all all of my cares and my wants for other cameos just died when Melted I heard away. that nineties tune. Cause I've you know, I've dreamed about like what could potentially be done for X-Men going forward in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And my one thing is I would bring that, I would make that the main score from the nineties animated series. I would make that the main score of the film and they did it. They actually did it. They did. And then when he like, he puts his hand to his head, which is such a sick professor X thing to do. Yeah. And the telekinetic waves come uh-huh. off and you see those. I'm a dude. I was like, I felt like a kid again. Yep. I was like jaw dropped. Even thinking about it now, I've only seen it once. I was jaw dropped and I was so ecstatic. I was ecstatic. Ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then who else? Anson. Anson Mount was Anson back. Mount. Back from the, in, the, the critically the, acclaimed <laughs> in the, humans. 
the horrid Inhumans ABC Marvel collaboration <laughs> failure, uh, straight to TV. No, but, it was like but IMAX. in IMAX yeah, was, experience. What a bizarre. Uh, yeah, they put they put the first two episodes in IMAX for whatever reason. Yeah, but he looked fantastic. Yeah, he was legit. They, and Black Bolt's a huge character in the comics. He's yeah. like you know in humans, and uh, he had, he had the little prongs on his head. He didn't speak, and he yeah. Gosh, and he and but he, when he did speak, that's the thing is he has the look. He has the look. He has the feeling. And uh, he portrays that role so so well, and he yeah you see this awesome depiction of what happened to their Earths, Doctor Strange, where he like basically disintegrates him. Yeah, he became corrupted, and uh, the Illuminati, which is the gang of these heroes in that universe, they yeah. had to kill him. And so Black Bolt, what he, he say? says, he says, "I'm sorry." I'm sorry. Yeah. and it just it, it like he said. Dissolves him. It's yeah, crazy. it's like it's like a Cyclops concussion blast, just straight out of his, his so badass mouth socket. It was so rad. And then, okay, this is the craziest one. Yeah. <laughs> this I'm telling you, all the people who showed up, and these are the people that made up the Illuminati. And you said Earth eight three eight. Yeah. Okay. Fucking. <laughs> Fucking. Jim. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yep. Has been fan cast after the success of i mean the he was in the office but then the success of um was it the quiet place the quiet place but or then quiet. then he's he's also in the amazon series jack ryan which i've watched and it's awesome but because of he got all jacked like he, for jack he's, ryan he's hot yeah he he got smoking bod big hot yeah and he he uh was fan cast because of him and emily blunt's relationship because they're married in real life and the fact that he's a great director, people are like, just make them the Fantastic Four. Make Two him Mr. Four. Fantastic and make her Invisible Woman and then just give him, you know. Bring jo- back Chris Evans. Johnny and Fink. Do Johnny Storm. Dude, for real. <laughs> can you imagine? Yes, I can imagine because <laughs> I, I feel like all the doors are open. Oh, what's his name as the thing? Yeah, uh, Chickless? Chickless. Bring Chickless. Yeah. Chickless stole that film. Yeah. He ran away with it. <laughs> he was great. Honestly. It's clobbering time. <laughs> It's clobbering time. But but they actually did it. Okay. But he was fan cast for years. years. Uh, people have been noting like there have been more fan made like renderings or images of John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards than there are of actual characters that exist in the MCU. Like there, there are that many renderings of him as Reed Richards. And so he shows up. Mm-hmm. In this movie, which means just portals right it in. It means so many things. He's the world's smartest man. He's got Mr. or Reed Richards is known as being the highest IQ, I think, until the new Hulk took over. Forget the little Asian boy. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like there's like different IQ levels for the the Are you talking about people. the comic or are they yeah, actually in, doing... in the comic in the oh, comic. Yeah, yeah. I forget his name. Anyway. With all that arrogance. Yeah. No, so he shows up and and you know, people are like either like what or you know because they, they don't really know. But people, deep deep fans are like, oh my gosh, it happened. Kevin Feige, <laughs> yeah, it happened. Or Kevin Feige or Marvel, they're actually listening. Like they're watching, they're listening, and we got John Krasinski as Reed Richards in this film. And now the big question is. Will John Krasinski play Reed Richards when we when we get finally get the reboot of Fantastic Four in the MCU for Earth six one six? 
will John Krasinski play Mr. Fantastic? And you know what? I have no idea. They better not just make him another boner. Like from Quicksilver oh, and oh, WandaVision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a blue ball experience. Yeah. Well, they can still bring him back. You don't waste John Krasinski. Yeah. He's America's, that's America's ass now. Chris, <laughs> Chris Evans is gone. Chris Evans is old and dead. What's even funnier about that is, you know, it came down to John Krasinski and Chris Evans to play Captain America. It, First Avenger, really? Yeah. And I he he was like one of the one of the follow up in running to play that character, and they chose Chris Evans instead of John Krasinski. Well, that's hilarious that you said that. Yeah, if you didn't, know. it's America's new ass. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but everyone's asking: Is he going to be in the six one six universe? And who knows? There have been a lot of rumors about Kevin knows. Yeah, man, to be in Kevin's mind, right? That man. Am I right? To be in his mind. I don't even, I don't want his money or his status. I just want the knowledge. Would you kiss him on the lips? <laughs> I think if there was one person who I, like one man who I would kiss on the lips, it would be him. If, <laughs> if, if, uh, not John Krasinski as Reed Richards. No, not even. He's a handsome man. Kevin Feige is the only one that could intimidate me. He's like, he's like, I'm Voldemort and he's Dumbledore. Because the thing about Voldemort is he's, oh. there's only one man that he's scared of, and it's Dumbledore. Right. And that's that's Kevin Feige for The me. sexual tension. Yeah. It's palpable. Okay, so nobody knows. There's rumors about them going with a whole different cast for the Fantastic Four. Better not. But there's a new rumor. What? That John Krasinski will direct and star in a Fantastic Four. Oh. That's as is that new, piping hot? As is that, new as this last week. Is that right week. off the rumor grill? Yeah, this last week. Damn. And what that means is there's there's a high chance, and I and I can't say for sure because Emily Blunt was she was actually Marvel's first pick to play Black Widow before Scarlett Johansson, and she said no because she didn't want to do a superhero film. So I think she I think she's like not into it, but John is like put me in Marvel, and so I think <laughs> I think there's like a little bit of a a play there. Yeah. Anyway, man can direct. And then, okay, so then the final person of the Illuminati is Lashana Lynch. She shows up as this universe's Captain Marvel. She got the powers instead of uh, she nailed it. Brie Larson. I, I honestly, honestly like her. Have yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> so let's keep, keep Lashana Lynch. Let's keep doing that, please. Yeah. And then, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sorcerer Supreme Mordo was there. Yeah. He, he was chilling. But it was wild to see all that take place. Like, I... I and to see them right after that all be murdered, like brutally murdered. murdered by Scarlet Witch, like straight up heads popping. Black Bolt blew his own brains out because Reed Richards gave it away. He's like Black Bolt can with the word and <laughs> with the word from his mouth. And Wanda goes, "What mouth?" <laughs> Cut to Black Bolt, literally. What good is a phone call if you have no mouth, Mr. Anderson? <laughs> what good is a phone call? And he, it was probably the most horrific thing I've ever seen in MCU, honestly, is Black Bolt blowing his own brains out. It was really, like, like we've seen a lot of shit at this point, yeah, especially in this film, but that was it. I think you even, like, heard a pop. Yeah. Oh, that was something else. This movie was crazy with, like, especially if you watched it in IMAX where the sound's good. Yep. Don't there be. were a lot of like really crazy like there's a couple jump scares that were escalated by the sound there was like a lot of like really big bangs and like loud like or like, and, like so sometimes the sound just goes out shocking moments with yeah wanda yeah. yeah 
And then but back to that scene. <laughs> Wanda then oh, uh, sp- right. spaghetti's Reed Richards, like just. But then, like when it gets to his head, his head explodes. It popped like a balloon. Yeah, I could not believe I it. Know. John Krasinski's like ah. <laughs> and then and then there's a longer battle with with uh, Captain Carter and Marvel. Or something to say there about arrogance, but sure. No, that was the whole point. And I've I've seen people say who are familiar with the Illuminati in the comics, that arrogance is totally in line. And Reed Richards, like, bl- giving all this, here's how we're going to beat you, and then they get wrecked. Totally, you know, reasonable. Reed Richards in the comics, like, there's always, like, a subtext to him being way too arrogant, you know? Yeah. Even though John Krasinski really brought in his ten lines uh, a human warmth. Yeah. And a, a kindness to it. It yeah. was still arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're going to beat you, Wanda. Oh, yeah, it was, cra- it was crazy how how our strange was like. He was like, "You you can't beat her. You don't yeah, understand." No. And, he, and and they're like, "No, we're gonna beat her. Like you have no idea." I guess their Wanda also just wasn't that powerful, or at least had not up to that point ever you know been remotely antagonistic. But okay, so future of Wanda, it cuts to a wide as yeah. this 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 pillar is collapsing. Wonder Core, she itself. she drops Wonder Core on herself, and you see like this this flash of red in the wide shot and, and Gabe and I are like, well, she either got squished and blew up or she like flashed out of there. Okay. One thing I would have done differently about this film. The only thing is I would have had what, what we were calling albino vision show albino up vision in the end and like talk her off the, you know, yeah, he is talk out her, there. Talk her down. I know, but I think that would have been a beautiful moment for them to like get back together. She could have like stopped everything still, and then they could have like gone off and done WandaVision season two. Why yeah. didn't they do that? WandaVision was a wildly successful Well, show. because it was the first. I don't know if like, I feel like they probably won't. WandaVision, it, more than any other show, I think felt like a one-off mm-hmm. because of both the character arc and stylistically, I don't think, yeah, I feel like it'd be diminishing returns to approach the show yeah. in that way. Again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it'd have to be different. I'm not saying you do the same thing again. I'm saying, you know, do it just in a different way and- with albino vision. Well, I, but also, I, I will say that the one thing I did like about her potentially like it, be, it being really ambiguous, whether she died was that I felt for the story that they were telling within the confines of this one film, I thought her, you know, being thought of as dead for this one movie, sure. looking at it as a movie story-wise, I thought was a really smart move. Yeah. But let's just say, let's just be clear. Let me be clear. There's no way she's dead. Yeah. You don't, you don't kill Scarlet Witch by dropping a building on her. Kevin Feige said that this story of putting Wanda together with Doctor Strange is something that they wanted to do from the beginning of Doctor Strange 1, but they haven't been able to do it until It's now. an incredible matchup. Yeah. You know, Sorcerer Supreme, witchcraft. Scarlet Witch, Witchcraft. Yeah. It's all, it works. Oh, and the delineation between magic and witchcraft was interesting. Yeah. I'd actually like to hear more from one of the characters about what Wong. that means. Yeah. Give me give me a show with Wong just telling me about the, the in-universe lore. Oh, dude. Can dude. you imagine? Yeah, no, no, no. Like, like um, Nick Offerman drinking whiskey yes. by a fire for a half hour <laughs> during Christmas. Remember that? Give me Wong. That YouTube video? <laughs> yeah. Give me that, but with Wong. Wong is sitting in Kamertage. In a Kamertage by a fire. It's winter. <laughs> There's a fire going. Are you kidding? It's it. The, it writes itself. It writes itself, <laughs> even though there isn't the writing. <laughs> Just explaining some things. Yeah, that, I would watch that. Yeah, it it's really cool. Just pay him well. 
that's the kind of stuff you have to do to, to keep people coming back, I think, is to keep pushing the yeah. boundary of what the, you know, the people are familiar with. Yeah, totally. All the runic stuff. I love that part at the end of WandaVision where Catherine Hahn comes out and she's like, here's everything that's going on. And you're like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, and she's returning in uh, Agatha, the Harkness is series. Is her own show? Yeah, her own that's, show. Uh, not a prequel, is it? I have no idea what it will be. Was she? Elizabeth Olsen has said she is not slated to appear in it, but we all know Marvel lies. Where did so. we leave Agatha? Uh, Wanda had like mind trapped her to be a part of the community in that town. Oh, yeah. And she's just there thinking that she's a civilian. Interesting. Yeah. But witchcraft and how they introduced it in WandaVision was so interesting because they like actually got into witches and like. Yeah. Them being burned at stakes and stuff like that. flashbacks with Catherine Hahn. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. So cool. We all know you love witches. I love witches. I know. No, I don't really care. I just, we don't get a lot I of witches. I just finished the, the You Won't Be Alone episode today. I put it out today. Oh. Oh. And in that you go, I love witches. And I say, witches get stitches. And you, you <laughs> that was your reaction. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's funny because witches are always like, you know, baby bitches. Up, they're like updating their appearance because they're all, you know, like centuries old and the magic corrodes the body and the mind. Well, that's what that's what Ryan Murphy does in the uh, American Horror Story series, too. Yeah. Well, that's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Any any closing thoughts, Stephen? Any last words about no. this movie? Mm-mm. I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. But for all the reasons we just said, it's great. Let this be a resurgence in Sam Raimi's career. Let this be a lesson. <laughs> I just saw there is something about the dark man. Like they're potentially doing something no. like that again. Seriously. Why not? I mean, if Liam Neeson's going to appear in an episode of Atlanta, you might as well make him dark man again. You know? That was nuts. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.